0: did you all sleep well yeah it it sort of ranges doesn't it sleeping it ranges from insomnia anyone suffer with that that's a beast isn't it to let me get right how you pronounce it narcolepsy anyone heard of that where you just fall asleep in the middle of a sentence in the middle of whatever you're doing it sounds funny I'm sure if you've got it it's hysterical and not funny at all, really. But it affects sleep affects everything. When you've had a bad night's sleep, it affects the next day, doesn't it? You are the grumpiest person in the world that day. When you've had a great night's sleep, you are that person who's had no sleep in the worst nightmare. Because you are full of the joys of spring. You are excited. You have the most energy in the room. Sleep affects everything. Listen to this. Apparently, sleep is a state of reduced mental and physical activity in which consciousness is altered and sensory activity is inhibited to a certain extent. During sleep, there is a decrease in muscle activity and interactions with the surrounding environment. So basically, if you're asleep, you're no use nor ornament to anyone. Recently, we went to Canada, and when we got back, I think I had the worst jet lag I have ever had. Anyone ever had jet lag? Oh, my goodness. We saw Joe in, the, in ASDA after, and we were just like, hi, Joe, we have jet lag. We were just horrendous. For a whole week, I felt like I had jet lag. Normally, I can't sleep. I couldn't stay awake. I wanted to sleep all the time. I lay in. I never lay in. I wanted to sleep in the afternoon. I just wanted to sleep all the time. I had horrendous jet lag. And, you know, it's just because my body's confused. My body doesn't know what continents it's on. My body's like, I'm still over there. So I want to be awake in the middle of the night, and I want to be asleep in the daytime. And, you know, I believe that there's a sleep that can come upon us spiritually that's almost like jet lag, where the enemy comes and brings that much confusion to our lives that we don't know which world we're meant to be in. Are we in the kingdom of God or are we in the kingdom of the world? You know, this sleep that can come upon us as Christians reduces our connection with God and our interaction with him. It also reduces our actions and the things that we do. Listen to this definition of sleep again with that in mind. Sleep is a state of reduced mental and physical activity in which consciousness is altered and sensory activity is inhibited to a certain extent. During sleep, there is a decrease in muscle activity and interactions with the surrounding environment. Think about that, but spiritually. Do you ever feel like there's not much muscle activity going on? Do you ever feel like you're not really conscious to what God's doing and what God's saying? You know, I think when we drink deeply of things like despair and shame and fear and doubt and unbelief and pain and grief and loss and comfort and disunity... And lies and prayerlessness of self and of sin when we dine on a menu of these things and that's what we take in then we become full of those things and it causes us to no longer have that consciousness with God in the same way it causes us to fall asleep to the things of God and to rest and live in those things instead You know, and I think sometimes we can hear messages like we're doing this month about being awake and think, I'm awake, I read my Bible, I pray. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived that you're here today and this message is for someone else. This message is for me today. This message is for you today. There are areas of every single one of our lives where God wants to awaken us afresh. God wants to reveal himself to us afresh. And God wants to move away the apathy of this world and the things that have taken hold of us to such a degree that we sleep to the things of God. God is wonderful. God is so big and so multifaceted. There is so much more that we can know and learn of him if we only allow him to awaken us today. Ephesians 6, 18 says this. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Stay alert. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I sleep, I'll sleep deep and I'll sleep well. Other times when I sleep, I remember when the girls were young and Paul used to go away quite a lot. And I didn't sleep fully because i was on high alert i had this thing someone's going break in so he's put lego by the patio doors just in case so that would do hurt him for starters and my airspray spray was out for the ready just in case they made it up the stairs and they had me escape van plan rooted out i was ready i was on high alert even though i was having a little nap You know, when Paul and I first got married, I was on high alert. In all honesty, I was insecure and I struggled to trust. So I was on high alert. I followed him around the house. I was everywhere he went, just to make sure he knew, I'm here, I'm wonderful, you're married to me. Aren't you lucky? (laughs) Now settle down a bit more now, and I'm not so bad. But our dog, our dog, and it doesn't matter how deep her sleep is and how much she snores, but if I get up or even make a move to get up, she is ready. I'll come to the toilet with you. I'll go out with you. Where are you going? I'll come. What are you doing? Oh, are you in the fridge? Can I have some? Oh, how exciting. What are you doing? Oh, are you opening the Or, oh you put putting washing out oh I'll come out too how exciting I'm ready I'm ready for anything I can snore to high heaven but if you move a muscle I am ready I am there you are not leaving this house without me I will stand on the mat and wait for you because I am on high alert I want to be like my dog when it comes to God I want to be on high alert and ready for whatever he is doing, whatever he is planning in my life, but in this world as well. I want to be a dog. Don't you? They sleep all day, but they're ready for it when it comes. You know, Jesus is captivating. And if he truly, truly is, then we would move mountains to be where he is and to go where he goes and to be in his presence. You know, I'd rather be awake in the things of God than asleep in the comforts of this world. You've got to ask yourself, how much do I find Jesus captivating? Am I really captivated by Jesus or am I just going through the motions of life? Am I really on high alert, ready, because I don't want to leave his side, because I want to know where he is and what he's doing? Or am I just like, yeah, that'll be all right on a Sunday morning, but the rest of the week, I'll just do my own thing. Am I really awake to how much Jesus is captivating and wonderful and fantastic and the only one who can bring life and health and everything I need to me? I love the friends of the sick person in Luke 5, where they actually pull a hole in someone's roof to get their friend to Jesus. I love the woman with the issue of of blood in Luke 8, and she pushes through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. I love Zacchaeus as he climbs the tree just to get a glimpse, just a glimpse will do. You know, these people broke property, broke religious laws. They weren't bothered. They just wanted Jesus because they were captivated by him. Because there weren't things that have caused them to fall asleep to how fantastic, how wonderful, how mesmerizing, how amazing he is. And the biggest problem I feel that we face as Christians is we forget what a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ our Lord. How captivating do you find Jesus? Or this morning, are you unmoved by him? This morning, Jesus wants to move you from your place of comfort and apathy into a place of resurrection power, and of life that he wants to breathe in and through you. I'm going to read quite a chunk of John, and please bear with me because I think it's important that we work our way through it. And some of you may know this account really well, but we're going to go for it. So John 11, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 7, and I'm going to skip a bit and read verses 17 to 44. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Do you get the point? They've told us twice, Lazarus is sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness is not unto death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So, although Jesus loved Mary, sorry, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, "Let's go back to Judea." And then we're picking it up in verse seventeen. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already being in the grave for four days bethany was only a few miles down the road from jerusalem and many of the people had come to console martha and mary in their loss when martha got word that jesus was coming she went out to meet him but mary stayed in the house martha said to jesus lord if only you had been here my brother would not have died but even now i know that god will give you whatever you ask Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises in the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside of the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him Lord come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said see how much he loved him. But some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, it has been has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that if you would didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I don't really need to say anything else, do I? But I'm going to. I've got a couple of questions for you this morning. The first one is this Do you want relief or restoration? Very often, we look for relief over restoration. We look for something that's going to ease the pain, that's going to calm our nerves, that's going to make us feel better, that's going to relieve what's going on, the hurt, the sadness, the difficulty, whatever it is, we want to relieve it, we want to ease it, we want it to be better. And we look for these things in relationships, in things that we buy, in that next high, that next thing that's going to make us feel good about ourselves maybe escaping, maybe in comfort, but we look for this relief. Where can I find it? Where is it? You know, I believe that we sleep when we seek relief over restoration. If what you're seeking is relief, then God's calling you to something more and something greater. You know, Jesus came to a place where everything had fell apart. It had all fallen apart. Lazarus was dead. The two sisters were left. It was not a good time in history for women to be without a man to protect them or provide for them. Everything had fallen apart. But people had come to comfort them and to bring relief. Even when Jesus arrived, his presence was a comfort to Martha and Mary. But both of them said to him, If only. How often do we say, If only God would have healed this person, if only God had provided, if only the relationship hadn't fell apart, if only I'd have got that job, if only I'd have a bit more money, if only. You know, Mary and Martha thought that the only way Jesus could help them was in the past. But Jesus operates in the improbable, in the impossible, and in the miraculous. And he wants to do the same in your life today. Those things that seem improbable, those things that seem impossible, those things that seem like the only thing that can help is a miracle, Jesus wants to come and remove where you're looking for relief and bring restoration and change. Jesus came to restore not only Lazarus, but the world. And you know, restoration can be a messy business. It's painful. It can be scary. When you restore things, you strip them back. Sometimes they have to be rebroken. Sometimes they have to be taken apart. But we don't like that, so we seek relief. We seek relief instead. Oh, it's all right now. Oh, thank goodness for that. But God wants to change you so completely that he can send you out with his good news and his message. He doesn't just wanna bring relief to your life and ease your burdens and ease your pain, but he wants to bring restoration and resurrection power. You know, I remember when I was in my early 20s and um, I used to borrow my mum's car and drive my mum's car. And my mum and dad had gone on holiday. And so I was like, I've got the car for two weeks. And um, we went out somewhere and it was wet and it was dark and the roads were very bendy and the car did not like a particular bend and it was nothing at all, I'm sure, to do with my driving. But at that point, the car spun on two wheels and heaven knows how it didn't tip. But it turned, we were going that way, and when it had finished what it was doing in its merry little dance, we were facing back home again. And it was probably one of the most scariest experiences of my life, but the relief that I felt when it stopped, the relief that everyone in the car was okay, that I was okay, was just the most amazing feeling in the world. Relief can be wonderful, But the relief wasn't enough for what then needed to happen to the car so I could give it back to my mum when she came back from holiday and say, here's your car, it still works! Because the car needed a lot of work. The car actually needed a full insurance job on it, so I actually had to wait till she came back from holiday so she could sort it out with the insurance company. But it needed restoring. My relief was not enough to fix that car. The relief of the people in the car was not enough. The car needed restoration. God wants to restore you today. He doesn't just want to make you feel better. He just doesn't want to make everything go away and be all right. He wants to restore you and give you a new outlook on life and give you a new heart and a new mind to what you're doing. What are you going to take today? Relief or restoration? Restoration. The next thing I want to ask you is this. What do you want? Do you want the stench or the glory? Verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, it's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And it would have been, it would have been horrendous. It was a hot country as well, which would have exasperated it. How many times do we protest when God says, let me into that area of your life, let me into that mess, let me open that can of worms, let me deal with that thing that you've been pushing down, let me deal with that room that you don't want to touch. You know, we sleep when we fear the stench more than we trust he wants to display his glory through our lives. Jesus is not afraid of your stink. Jesus wants to turn your stench into glory. Don't let the fear of the mess stop you. Lazarus didn't come out of the cave four days decayed. He didn't. He did not come out of that cave stinking. He came out of the cave revealing God's glory. He came out of the cave ready to live again. He came out of the cave ready to testify because they weren't afraid of the mess and the stench in his life, but they trusted God that God's glory would be revealed. And do you know why? Because Jesus was standing outside praying for him. Jesus is standing outside the stench of your life and he is praying for you and believing for change and transformation and that you can come out and bring glory to him. And you know, Jesus trusted Lazarus with this testimony. He trusted him. He trusted that Lazarus was going to glorify him with his testimony. That he was the Messiah. That he was, he had all authority, even over death. And that's why he waited four days. He waited all of those days you know and many people say oh he waited all those days because the Sadducees had this issue with people couldn't be rose from the dead they didn't believe in that but they believed in Jewish tradition that the spirit only hovered over the body for three days so then if it was the fourth day then that spirit had gone so that didn't make any sense so the Jews would it doesn't matter whether you're a Sadducee or a Pharisee or wherever you are but what Jesus did on that day rocked the whole belief system of the Jews and about what they thought about death And Jesus said, I am bigger than death. I am bigger than your stench and your mess and that thing that's holding you back all of your life, that's kept you entombed. I am bigger than it. And my glory can be shone through your life if you'll only allow me in. Jesus wants to trust you with this testimony, but you've got to go through the test. You've got to stick at it. You've got to believe he's there with you. You know, we all make wrong choices. We struggle with grief and with loss, with trauma and pain. Let him turn your stench into glory. You know, the best part about Lazarus in early church tradition is that it suggests that he went on to live in Cyprus and became a bishop there and that he lived for another 30 years. Another 30 years of telling people, I am the man that Jesus raised from the dead. I am the man who was dead for four days and I stunk, and Jesus turned my stench into glory. Jesus wants to turn the stench of your life into his glory but you have to follow him you have to respond to him and so this morning Jesus is calling you come out come out from where you are you know the word come out means duro and it means and it was the same word that Jesus used when he called his disciples come follow me was the same word he used as he called when he called Lazarus it was the same word that he used when the rich young ruler and he said come follow me it was the same word that he used when he said come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and he used the same word to Lazarus and said come follow me he's dead what are you saying come follow me and what it means When you break it down as until now, come here. Until now, come here. Which basically means you've existed this way until now, but now come. You've existed in this pain until now, but now come. You've existed in this hardship till now this anxiety, this fear, this pain, this sickness until now. But now, come. Now, come follow me. Now, come find me. This morning, Jesus is calling you by name. You may have existed in one way or another until now, but now, now he is calling you. Come. Come from where you are. Stop sleeping in that place. Be awakened by the magnificence of who he is, by the power of who he is, by the beauty of who he is. And come, come now. Let's just stand together. You know, I believe that Jesus wants to rewrite your history today. You have existed in a way until now, but now he wants to do something new. He wants to bring change to everything in your life, where you've been contained, where you've been held, where you've lived within the stench of the mess. But God wants to come in and swing wide the doors, roll that stone away, and he wants to call you, come out, come out of that place and be captivated by who I am, by my power by my glory and represent me and share your testimony this morning he's telling you I'm gonna trust you with this testimony I'm gonna trust you that your testimony is gonna bring people to me but you've got to come out you've got to come out first you've got to come out of that place You've got to ask yourself, is it easier to find relief than to turn to him for restoration? Is it easier to stay in the stench than actually think that you can be used for God's glory? Because this morning, God's calling you. And it might be for the first time. You may be in here this morning and you may never have made a decision. Yeah, I want to be a Christian. This morning, God's calling you you need to come forward and stand at the front as a response. I can pray a prayer with you, but it's between you and him. If you want to follow Jesus for the first time, you need to come forward. And if there's things that have spoken to you this morning and you think, yeah, I need to make a change. I need more of Jesus in my life. I need to change my perspective. I need to move away from those things of the past and move into what he's calling me to. I need to step into the testimony that he has for me. I need to trust him that the stench of what's been going on isn't gonna follow me for the rest of my life, but his glory is. So this morning, we're gonna sing together. We're gonna sing about Lazarus coming out of that grave. And as we sing, I wanna invite you to come forward. You know, and it may be none of those things I said, but God may be speaking to you about something specific and you feel you need to respond. And if that's you, I wanna ask you as we sing that you come forward. So I'm gonna pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the amazing testimony of Lazarus. I thank you for what you did when you stood outside that tomb and you called him out. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just rest in this place this morning and you would begin one by one to call us out. Come out, come out. Come out of the life you're living. Come out of the fear that's held you. Come out of the darkness. Come out of seeking that relief. Come out of the stench. Come out of the pain and the fear. Come out. And God, I pray that as people take that step and move this morning, God, as they come forward, God, that you would fill them afresh that you would anoint them for the task ahead, that your life and your goodness would flow in Jesus' name. So come, come forward as we sing this morning. walking in chains cause the way that he loves you isn't something you can change running in circles but you can't hide from grace cause the way that